0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Faith Podcast. We have with us today, Budmi Ladetan, who lives with her family outside of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. She is an award-winning, Webby-nominated writer and a regular contributor to Parenting.com, Mothering.com, iVillage.com, and The Huffington Post, and the author of several books, including The Honest Toddler, Confessions of a Domestic Failure, and her latest book, Releases Today. It is titled, Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens. It is a poignant collection of funny, often heartbreaking, and deeply insightful letters to God that bravely share the emotions that we all feel as we grapple with this broken world and search for divine love. Bumi, welcome to the Changing Faith Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Of course. Well, right off as we begin, um, what are some things that you would like our listeners to know about you?
1: Okay. Um I'm a I'm a mother of 3. Um I live in Quebec, Canada, French Canada by way of California, born and raised in in California. Um very much a California girl and I'm I'm learning how to I'm, well, I'm 10 years into Montreal but I'm I'm still learning about winter and I I kind of love winter <laughs> because I'm a homebody
0: and I shovel snow all the time. <laughs> huh. And how, what was that transition like for you from because oh, you were both in Northern and Southern California. Then you go yeah. to the far reaches of the North.
1: Yes. Okay. So that was, it was a, it was a big leap, but it was so meant to be. Um, I moved here with my, with my now ex-husband. Um, I visited, well, we visited for the first time in 2005. And I knew right away, like when we stepped up, cause his mom is Quebecois, which, um, French, French Canadian. And, um, so we were kind of just. Dis- dis- figuring out where we were going to move. We thought maybe Oregon, you know, and we didn't know from California, but we knew we wanted to go. And so we visited here, Montreal, and I stepped off the plane. I just knew that Hmm. we were were meant to live there. And then we moved and no regrets. I like it here. I miss, I miss the States. I miss Target. I miss Trader Joe's, but I really (laughs) love it here.
0: (laughs) Oh, Trader Joe's. My wife and I have an ongoing uh, debate about Trader Joe's. So she's from California, as I said to you before we started recording. Yes. I'm not. So I'm not a Trader Joe's fan, which oh. I found to be like, that's almost heretical for native Californians, isn't it?
1: It's not allowed, actually. It's not allowed. <laughs> it's uh, it is our part of our faith tradition of <laughs> Trader Joe's and and not just liking it, but being fanatical about it. Yes. Um, so I, I miss Trader Joe's every day. Every day I miss it. Well, we
0: just got it here in Colorado. So the fact that I've just sounded off um, against your faith at the beginning of this interview, (laughs) I'm not sure how the rest of it's going to go, but...
1: Okay. I forgive you. I've been learning a lot about forgiveness. I forgive you.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. So you're coming out with a new book. It comes out today. For those of you who are listening, we'll include a link to it in our uh, notes for the episode. But uh, I was able to read this book and I found it so refreshing. And I say that because of how often I feel and how often I hear people share with me, their struggle to be honest and not just honest with others, but really, especially with God. And so I'm, I'm wondering, can you share what led you not only to write this book, but what led you to a place where you found that you can be brutally honest with God?
1: Okay. Well, what led me to write this book? Um, it was, Oh man. I guess I'll start from the beginning. So, <laughs> I grew up in in a religious Christian home. Um, my parents are first generation Nigerian and they, they they came here. I was the first one born here in my family. I have an older brother who was born there. They came with not very much and we really struggled. Um financially, poverty. We were on food stamps, depended on food from like um like Thanksgiving from the kindness of of churches and and at one point we're living in um uh, there I have three brothers, so the six of us, the whole family were living in a, a one bedroom apartment at one point, a two bedroom apartment. My parents were just really trying hard. My dad was studying at one point, my mom was studying. and um it was it was a hard home to grow up in a lot of the time it's during the poverty years because with poverty and with financial issues, so much there there come other issues. There's anger, um, depression that shows up as anger. I think my parents really tried their best, but I think especially for men when they can't provide, when they're struggling to provide, I think it's, you know, I think it's as an adult now understanding it, I think it's very difficult for them, Um, those feelings and a a lot of anger came out in the family from that. Ended up leaving home at 16. Um, Religion had never meant anything to me, even though it was so kind of, it was really strict in our family, um, implemented. I never connected with it in terms of my heart. I just felt like, you know, we're talking about this good, good God, but look at our family, you know, where there's so much anger and we don't have what we need. And uh, the way, the place I li- where we grew up, the high school I went to and the middle school I went to, it happened to be in this area in, in Northern California, in Mill Valley, actually, um, which is like the highest 1% of in terms of income makers. So we live we lived on the poor side. The very poor side because we were actually in community uh, housing for for the school my dad was going to. So and then you also had projects which were which were twenty minutes outside. So you had this very wealthy high school that bust in all of these other kids. So I'm going to school with my family being on food stamps with these kids who live in these huge homes and have these like on the outside looking. You know now that I'm an adult I know things aren't as they always as they appear, but parents who really you know can be there and just like or not there's not so much strife and, and going on and so what does it mean like what god is obviously not even if he is real he's not for for me he's for those kind of people for for yeah. the lucky ones so it never really impacted me um i left home at 16 and and um, I, I ended up meeting my high school boyfriend, my high school sweetheart, who I later married, and he just happened to be Jewish. His family is re- Reformed Jewish, um, which is the more liberal kind of expression of Judaism, more cultural than anything else. Uh, they have synagogue and, and go to synagogue and everything, but it's not like Orthodox or or conservative Um in, in that observance level. And so his family didn't require me to convert or anything, but I started, I read Elie Wiesel's Night and then A Trial of God. And when I started studying and learning about Judaism, it just felt like coming home. It felt like something I understood, um, you know, that this people group had suffered, I mean, tremendously and been chased and chased and chased. And then with the Holocaust in itself, how do you come out of that? And still hmm. believe in God. How do you come out of that and still be a people? How? And, you know, and just the fact that they did. I mean, it just it resonated with me in terms of the struggle that I that had um, I experienced teen homelessness and things like that. And this it, it just the, the struggle resonated with me. And so I. Um, his father got me a conversion coach for the, the synagogue. And I just, I loved every second of it. I just studied and studied. And um, I remember I, on my mikvah days, when you go in the ceremonial bath, you go in the mikvah, like a baptism, and then you go in the synagogue and you hold the Torah scroll and you make these vows. And mm. that was just the best moment. I felt like I was joining a family, coming home. And um, so then I began my, we got married and I became a Jewish wife and I became a Jewish mother. Um, preparing for a Shabbat each week, doing the groceries, going to the kosher markets. Um, you know, I I I loved it. I was more observant than he was, which is so often <laughs> the case with converts. Um, and so that became my my foray into that world, and I just I loved it. I took to it immediately, and it was never still. It wasn't really about God because I didn't pray other than the the there's some, some ceremonial prayers, the Shema, um, hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. It, and in Hebrew, and then the different, uh, the, the different brachot, the different blessings for food or for, for Shabbos candles or for over the challah, you know, those are the prayers I knew in, in Hebrew. And I, so I would pray, but I wasn't, it was more reciting, you know, these prayers. Um, and then we moved to Montreal. Um, our marriage collapsed shortly after that. And then I'm just in this place where, my faith was linked so closely to my marriage and it was almost painful to observe at that point. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not doing that. You know, uh, the little I even had of God, he, he's left again. So, you know, I, I kept up, you know, what I could for the kids. But at that point I just began to, to wander, to really wander and to say, okay, God obviously doesn't care about me as we do anything bad that happens. You know, we, <laughs> it's, it's his fault, even though we don't believe in him it's his fault. Um, so we don't acknowledge him, but it's his fault. Um, so I just began to really wander and look for something, a faith or belief that could make me feel like I was in control. So natural. So what felt natural to me was to explore paganism, um, occult type things, channeling, um, all of these different uh, law of attraction. I became really into this new age world, which on the surface looks all about, looks like it's about nature, you know, or, and power, your personal power, um, power of now, you know, Eckhart Tolle, all of those things that have these little nuggets of truth, but it's very much uh, centered around you manipulating the spiritual for your own will basically is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And, I learned very quickly that that gets dark quickly because when you open, there's certain doors that when you open, you let in all types of things. Um, and I, I'm not trying to condemn anyone, but I'm just saying you wouldn't open a, You wouldn't have someone knock on your door and say, I have a present for you and just open your do- that door, trusting them. No. And the spiritual world is real. But not everything is our friend. (laughs) So um, I very quickly, when that just takes grip over your life, a grip that when you get deep into that, very quickly my life just started to spiral. If I thought it was bad in the beginning, it just got dark and worse. And I got to the point where I'm just looking at this rubble, thinking I was promised gifts, and you know what is this? And just feeling the darkness and the and the emptiness and. And so I, one night, um, it was a Friday night and it was after Shabbat service had ended in the in the synagogue. I hadn't gone that night. It hadn't been a long time, but I went into the synagogue completely empty, except for security. And I went up to where they have the Torah and I just like was talking to God. I was for the first time in a very long time, maybe since I was a child, um, talking to God and saying, okay, I, I can't do it. I admit it. I have wrecked this life. Help me. I'll do whatever it takes. Just help me and the first thing that popped into my head was me holding the torah and making those vows he reminded mm-hmm. me that i had promised even though it hadn't meant what it should have meant maybe um to him i was i was pledging myself to a community not him but i had said the words and he <laughs> i was like oh so you, you saw that i was i was shocked you know and he's like yes i saw you take those vows i saw you do that and then so i began praying again, I really praying, not just in Hebrew, but really talking to God, praying, um, lighting Shabbat candles, doing the practices and praying. But I felt like there was something missing. Sometimes I would feel like someone was calling me and it would be almost like this voice and I would hear it. It would sound soft and far away, but then closer, like closer than anything else at the same, same time. And it sounded like it was saying, like daughter of David, something like that. Like, it was calling me, calling me. And then, because Jesus to me, when I was a kid, was, sounded like, um, you know, they said he's a son of God, which I didn't really understand, you know. But then in Judaism, Jesus is considered a, a nice Jewish boy who's raised by Jewish parents, <laughs> uh, who got a little bit out of control, you know. Maybe he had a breakdown, I don't know. He, he got out of control. Um, had some Jewish friends um, who kind of egged him on, hyped him up, and um, he he took it too far. They wrote a lot of fan fiction about him, um, and then he kind of just it spread, and then they used that fiction against us, you know. And so that's how Jesus is seen, and definitely not as the Messiah, definitely not right. And then in, I studied Islam too when I was like searching. I studied Islam deeply, like entrenched myself, and it became it, and. And so in, in, in Islam, Jesus, Isa is considered a prophet, a respected prophet, mm-hmm. not the, not the son of God. Don't get crazy, you know, but a prophet. And so I didn't know what to believe at that point. And so I just asked God because, you know, we're talking again. And so I said, okay, so who is he, who is he to you? I want to know, because I want to be in your will. Now I live that side of your will. And I want to know what, 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 you know. And so I'm standing outside my patio I know this is super long, sorry, but I'm standing, I'm standing on my bed okay, and um I'm looking over the, the community green grass. It's like a beautiful day. I believe it was fall. Um, but it's one of those, yeah. So I'm I'm looking over the grass and the the, the sliding doors behind me, and but it's open, and all of a sudden I felt this presence behind me. And it felt like someone, but not a person, because that would be terrifying, right? It, it, but it definitely felt like someone. Like I could feel that it was a someone, and it felt like the most calm. Like like the 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 definition of calm waters of a person, calm, mm-hmm. but extremely powerful. Like all of the power, gentle. Like the most gentle. the the most gentle, the kind of gentle that doesn't make sense in terms of the power and kind. And I knew immediately that it was Jesus. I knew it was Yeshua because his presence announces him. He doesn't have to say anything. It's like he can, he just is there and the air around announces him. And I felt like this kindness and I knew, I knew that he loved me I knew that he was pure love and I knew that he'd been the one calling me too. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt that and I just felt so at peace and I felt so, oh, okay, I know, you know, I know. And at that moment I understood also, I, I tell people I understood why, why, why he could go up to these fishermen and say, follow me. And they did because you would follow him anywhere. You would you would follow him anywhere with that. <sighs> There's nothing in the world like it, you know? And so at that moment I knew, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, okay kids, I have something to, to tell you. <laughs> I have some <laughs> news for the family. Um, so you know, Yeshua Jesus, he he definitely the Messiah. Definitely something And the funny thing is about that, my kids were, you know, this was like um this was the moment I knew about about Yeshua was about like three years ago. Cause it still while I understood it in my heart and mind, it took me a while and still I'm still learning about what that means and and it took me a while even i would say to to trust him um and he helped me do that and so the kids took to it like it was nothing i don't understand children and i know it's because it's the truth but children just they knew <laughs> and, yeah. and even now like they know my my son is just he loves to talk about about yeshua about jesus and yeshua is the, is the hebrew name we call him and um but it doesn't matter what you say i'm not one of those people who think you need to use a name he, He's so beyond a name. And um, so that happened. And then um, I didn't, this book wasn't my idea. My agent actually was saying, you know, you talk about God on Twitter sometimes. What have you ever thought about? And I thought, no, 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 no. I will not write a book about God. That's, first of all, there are many ways I could burn down my career. That would be way more fun. Um, (laughs) Like, No. (laughs) Um, I was thinking a sequel for my other book, you know, like this would, would be most lucrative and, and things like that. And and that would make make sense. Why would anyone want to hear about God from me? They've seen my whole struggle. They've seen me like do this and then do that. Nobody wants to hear this from me. But I, you know, you just know God wants to. I just knew. And I'm thinking I was praying, I'm like, but God, you and me have a good thing now. You know, that's just you and me. I don't want to write this thing for other people. And he just made me think of, someone like me who was completely lost didn't know there was a God who loved them. And then that's so how I began writing it for that person. Um, and then these are, so these are real prayers that I learned and I wrote them along the way.
0: Yeah. So that was a very long answer. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious. So you, you talk about that loving presence. Yes. And I just shared with somebody not long ago, one of the maybe the most, um, uh, the, the event in my life that would be a turning point for me was that I had a sense, as you put it, one day, probably now 12 years ago, 11 years yeah. ago, of being deeply, deeply, deeply loved. Yes. And a sense of, I don't have to do this or that to get there. It's just a reality. And yeah. the question is, will I live into it? And I think since then, it's been me learning to live as though I believe that. And I'm wondering, is it was it that? Sense that you were given that day on your uh, overlooking the green that that allowed you to, or eventually led you to, be this honest.
1: Well, the honesty—I've always had a problem with like censoring my my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> And what I, I would get in so much trouble growing up. Oh my gosh. My parents would be horrified sometimes. I wouldn't say curse words, but I would just say the most inappropriate thing because it just popped into my head. And now I'm going to say it. You know, I remember there was one Thanksgiving where I just, I watched this movie called Oliver and company. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's this, it's this cartoon about a cat and it's really like bluesy and East coast. And it's about this cat who's an orphan. And at one point, you know How children's movies sometimes they have lines for adults. So at one point, this one dog, they get this big feast, and this dog says, "Oh, if this is tort- torture, chain me to the wall." And so I've just put that into my head. Okay, that's a line you say when you're getting something that you don't expect. So it was the Thanksgiving that Charity had given us, this like Charity Church, and there was all this food that we never had this much food. And I said at the Thanksgiving table, "If this is torture, chain me to the wall." And like my parents are like, "What the?" <laughs> <laughs> and so I would always just say whatever I thought and even if it wasn't so that's always been there now it's just in a different context <laughs> I
0: love it well and, and when I read your book one of the one of the things I noticed as I read through the prayers is there were times where I laughed um, because some of them are just genuinely funny <laughs> um, <laughs> There were other times where I found myself, I would stop and reflect because there was depth there in your words that you could read right through it, or you could spend some time with it. Um, There were times where I I had tears well up in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And what I felt like as I read this is these were prayers from someone who knows God, who trusts God, almost like I was listening in on a conversation between two people who really love one another. And I'm wondering how would you describe your relationship with God, with the divine oh, these days? He
1: he's my he's my Abba. I I when I pray and I wrote a dear God, but you know Abba Abba is a Hebrew word that means like more than father. It means like dad, almost daddy. And it's the word that uh, that Jesus he used on the cross when he was saying like Father Father why have you forsaken me? He's like Abba, and he he is just my we've had so many experiences at this point where, I mean, he could have let me go. He gave me a second chance at life, literally, also not just figuratively. And he's seen me at such messy places and saved me. And he revealed himself to me as this loving, loving, loving father not just a God. He could have just been a God. You know, he could have just said, I'm God and everyone's going to obey me and worship me. I mean, he wanted to be a father. He wanted to be a dad and he is. And so that's how I pray to him. I just, I tell him that he knows I'm a very messy human being, like very messy. And I, I couldn't lie to him if I, if I wanted to, I, the times when I'm not being honest, it's not because I'm not trying It's because I'm trying to be, it's because I'm, I haven't even realized that I'm not being honest with about something yet. So I, I do tell him everything. I'm like, well, I'm messing up at this again, you know. Like I know we worked on this, but like I don't want to, you know. And so, um, and he can take it. He really, because he knows anyway. He's not under any delusions that we are these respectable, you know, people that we present to the world. He he is not fooled by our by our Twitter bios or by our starch clothes. He's not fooled by any of the stuff that fools other people. He's not. So to to him. We're just like these little babies with, with snot coming down our nose. And he just wants us to to trust him, to know that we are his and that that he's God. That's just how yeah. I feel.
0: <laughs> yeah. What would you say? Uh and, and this might be setting you up to give advice, but that's <laughs> that's how it could sound, I'll say it that way. <laughs> but what would you say to those who are listening who maybe are in a place where they're a little hesitant? to go there, to be this brutally honest. Mm. Um, what what maybe could you share from your own experience um, that would be helpful for those who are listening to, 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 to move deeper into this reality that we are deeply loved children of God? Well,
1: I would say if you're already, uh, let's say you're already a believer, so you, you trust in the, 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 the truth of the word, I would say, one, don't even believe me. Go there first. You know, like, because the thing that Yeshua hated, the thing that Jesus Jesus really didn't like was when people were just kind of using these these remote prayers, you know, Not, I don't think remote's the right word, rote maybe, where they're just like kind of just repeating things just to say them and not even having a true connection. He, he would call that out. Um, I remember, like, I, I can't remember the story, but I, I think it's the one where. There's one person he's praying all these impressive prayers, you know, and, and there there's one person who's just being honest. You're a pastor, you know. <laughs> and, and then there's also there was there was Hannah who was praying so hard that that people thought she was drunk. And then you know there then there's King David who we all know the stuff he did, and and he's praying these like I, I, just kill me, I want to die, you know, just kill me, like let me be dead. I'm crying on my bed all night. It's it's soaking wet, and all the things he did. And, and mm-hmm. Jesus said that he's a man after his own heart he i think that god he, i don't think he wants anything other than honesty the honesty that we are able to to bring to him in the moment if it, if it's a struggle for you to be honest just remember that and remember that he's not a human he he doesn't need us to sugarcoat things <laughs> cuz one he already knows and two think like imagine with our own kids imagine your your child is going through something devastating and they come to you Madam and sir, you know, um, I would just like to inform you at the present moment I am having a bit of a struggle in the life, but no, I, I I believe life is good. Yes, oh, it's 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 beautiful. Yes, um, and you, you are so wonderful to me. You have paid so many things for me. You have fed me and clothed me. You have provided, a, you know, like our kids don't come to us like that. They come to us with their clothing askew, sometimes ready to hit us. You know, like toddlers they want to they want to scratch you when they're mad and we just like try to like contain them a little bit so they don't hurt us and we want to hold them like no no so god's better than us at being a parent so come to him like as you are you know just like jesus said like as as you are don't worry he can take it and he already knows he made you so if you're super messy i don't want to sound sacrilegious but it's kind of his fault if you're a little bit messy that's <laughs> That's what I think. Cause he, I am a very messy person. And I do think he did make me partially this way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is your fault.
1: I, I tell him, I tell him, I'm like, look, I, I can't, I, you know, I have like ADHD, obviously unmedicated and you know, and like, <laughs> like I will always take medication for anxiety. I'm just like, okay, you know, I mean, some of that might be, you know, like maybe my mom drank Tang when I was, when she was pregnant, I don't know. Or maybe like, I don't take on like enough vitamins, but I do think God put us together in a certain way for a certain purpose. So go to him just how you are with all the messes. It's,
0: it's interesting. You, you mentioned David who obviously features his writing is features in the Psalms. And one of the things that's fascinating about the Psalms is I grew up in a world where we only like reflected on Psalms, like Psalm 100, make a joyful noise of the Lord, all the earth Come right. to his with singing, whatever it is. And, but 50% some estimate are Psalms of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, why are you so far from my groaning? God, where are you? God, why are you deaf? Yeah. Um, yeah, why are you deaf? My, what's that? Like,
1: why are you deaf? Yes.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a theologian um, I believe it's Walter Brueggemann who talks about that if we were to translate uh, the Psalms of Lament from the ancient Hebrew in its context into our modern English context here in the United States they would at least be rated PG-13. Yes. And and there's not what I find so compelling about it is they don't come back later and apologize. No. They don't come back later and say, "Oh God, I'm, I was okay." I didn't sleep well. I was hangry. It's just this this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going to lay out before you. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. He, he and and think of how he prayed and how his life was. Like his if you think of him in the context also of the things he did and that he repented for and and I mean God is not looking for the best he's looking for he wants us you know like it, it's amazing I love the psalm so much oh my gosh I feel like he did need antidepressants but like he he's so he's I mean he, he was going through a lot though he's like a king and like has all these issues and like all these I can't imagine all these spouses and all their kids you know like crazy child support situation I guess they, well, they lived in like I don't know but like so, we have to spend time with all these kids, like, a little bit, keeping all their names straight. And, all. like, there are probably so much jealousy with, like, the women, the mothers. Like, I noticed that you liked his uh, little drawing, you know, in the clay. And you did, like, her little drawing in the clay. It must have been absolutely insane, like, the pressure. But he would just be like, I wish I was dead. I want to die. So you should kill me because you're not helping me. And, I, you know... I, 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 strongly, um, identify with that because that's how I pray. Yeah. <laughs> I just wake up, Great, well, oh, another day. Okay. Okay. Well, please help me. Cause you know, I need your help. I need your help. And you promised to help me. You said you were going to be here. So please just help me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'd love for our listeners to hear, um, one of the prayers and, and I got to pick the prayer, I guess, cause I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing the interview. Um, <laughs> But, but the prayer that jumped out at me, and maybe it's my favorite, favorite prayer in the book, is on page 41. And I'm wondering, can you read this prayer for us?
1: Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. So, um, Dear God, this broken, bloody world, my broken, bloody life, is this your masterpiece? Are our tears and bones your mediums? How can I pretend you care about me in a world where innocents suffer? How can I pretend to matter? You don't know how badly I crave your attention. Or maybe you do. I hate it here. Love me.
0: Hmm. So <laughs> in the year we've just lived through. Oh, yeah. The year in which we don't speak of. Oh, we don't speak of it. We don't <laughs> um, <think> of it. <laughs> and and here in the United States, uh, this has been a season of reckoning with so much of what I refer to as centuries-old uh, sin and injustice that's been ignored and perpetuated. Um, and so I'm thinking for those who are listening, what would you say to those of us who really resonate with, and we feel this prayer deep in our bones?
1: Oh man. One that he knows, he knows this is hard for us. He knows what's happening. Um, none of this was a shock to him. (laughs) You know, 2020 was a shock for us. It was not a shock for him. Um, he, he is, he is God over it, God over the situation oh, that he, even in these hard times, he has not left us. He is still working. He is not just the God who just watches things happen in the distance. Like it's reality TV. He is working through it. He's working in it. I mean, out of this time, especially just being home, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that being forced to to be in place kind of even physically and spiritually, emotionally, there's so many things that that he's brought up that needed to be healed um just because i can't you know just drive or go shopping or be around different people and get away so he's mm-hmm. done so much healing like in our family in in me um that he, and but even even not in terms of the pandemic even just life when it hurts and life when it this world is so broken i mean one thing that i can't that I struggle with in my faith is how God can allow children to suffer because that's always a very hard thing. It's one thing for an adult to suffer, which is a terrible thing, but for kids especially, it's very hard. And um, I, I know the reality of, of sin entering the world. You know, I know all of that stuff. I know like the theological answer, but at the end of the day, I just have to, remind myself that he's a good God, whether I understand it or not, whether it makes sense to me, why this, this, and this, this should happen or not that he is a good God and he's constantly intervening. And in those moments where we are just like, feel like a crime scene that we are still his. And he promises Mm -hmm. that whether it's in this life or in the next, he promises redemption and he promises restoration. And sometimes I don't know when that's going to be or where that's going to happen, But it's going to happen. So I just hold on to that, to the Mm. promises, you know.
0: And it it sounds like not only from what what you just said, but also from the prayer that this is something that's ongoing. And I say that because one of the things I loved about this prayer is there's no resolve. (laughs) There's no like ending where you're like, oh, great. The ending is you don't know how badly I crave your attention or maybe I do. (laughs) I hate it here. Oh, love me. (laughs) Boomy again. Boomy. Um, again. um but I'm wondering, is so is this an ongoing process for you? Is this something where there's like like the rest of us, there's these highs and there's these lows, there's these moments of yes, I'm going to continue to hope. And there's moments of like, you know what, I'm screw this, I'm done.
1: There it's it's different, like the the life with him and without him is very different. So there's it's not like the life without him, um, but it's almost it feels like levels. You know, it feels like sometimes it feels like going up three, coming down two, going up half, coming down a little more. But it almost feels like that in terms of my walk with with faith, and because it it's like how would I describe it? It's like he's always teaching, you know? Like I have this poster in my room where it's the different names of Yeshua, of Jesus, and, and it's like the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in in his when he, when you walk with him and he's revealing all of those things to you, they come against the things that that you've learned that are wrong, you know. Okay, so what does mm-hmm. father mean to you? For some people, father is a good thing. For some people, father is not a is, is not something that they would want. Well, um, what does what does love mean when God says that He loves you? Okay, is that the love of 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 a person who who might see someone else and love them more? Is that a love of a person of a, a friend who gave up on you? Is that the love of a teacher who loves you as long as you're able to get this? Like, what does that mean? So he's always teaching, and sometimes in that teaching, you know, like a lot of us are, are schooling our own kids, and there's sometimes when you teach them, when they just say, "I've had enough," and they like fall down. Like that happens, where I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like, you know, I just not that I don't, I don't go to the place where I don't believe in him anymore because I, I know he's here. He showed me so much, but sometimes I don't believe in. I guess my my. Capacity to be his child, and then he he reminds me, "You're mine, no matter what. You're not mine because of you. You're mine because of me. You know, and who mm-hmm. I am. And and it's almost like I I love Psalm one twenty one so much, my favorite Psalm hands down, because it talks about I will lift my eyes up to the hills from whence cometh my help. Like I when I, there's so much to see all around us, all the time, and inside of us, but if we can just lift our eyes. And stop looking, stop looking down and just look at him and let him hold us and, and hold our lives. I think that that's just, that that is the walk with him. You know, yeah. and it's funny because it seems so much more complicated than that sometimes. And sometimes it maybe it is, but I think the essence of it is just like letting him hold us and, and listening to him and, and obeying him. It really is a father-child relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what would be your hope for people? Uh, what do you hope people will take from reading Dear God?
1: Oh, that they're not alone. Number one, they're not alone in their struggles. Um, oh, man. I think the hardest struggle of my life, I think, is feeling that I'm alone in something. Because, you know, everyone feels like they're just that one. Who, they're I'm the one who doesn't get it. I'm the one who is the worst. I'm the one who is like that. And I think I've always carried that with me. Maybe I think I always will a little bit. Um, but I want them to, to know that they're not alone, that there is a God who sees them completely and loves them completely. Mm-hmm. And that there is a savior. I, I write about, um, Yeshua, I write about Jesus in, in the opener and like such an important part of it, because I know a lot of people talk about like God in terms of just God and universe and Oh God. But it's important to know that there is a savior and that the way to him is Jesus like and I I never thought I'd be a person who talks like this ever. If you told me like five years ago that I would say this, I'd be like, first of all, that's crazy. I'm not one of those, you know? <laughs> like, and I will never be one of those. That's like weird and they're brainwashed, you know, but it's true. <laughs> um, but and also help help me is an entire prayer. If that's the only thing you can say is God help me, God help me. Hmm. I think he loves that prayer so much. And I've heard so many stories where he, he responds to that, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's Anne Lamott who says there's th- basically three prayers, help, thanks, and wow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and she said, usually thanks and wow come after the help.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. He he is real. He is real and he is loving.
0: Hmm. Well, where uh where can our listeners find you online?
1: Um, I like to use this really small indie website called Facebook. I enjoy it, you know, personally it's really, I just love um <laughs> Facebook. My page is um, Boomy Ladditon and um I cross post stuff to Instagram, but I don't use Instagram that much. I can't handle it. People's lives just look really too perfect on there and I, you know, just wrecks my self esteem,
0: but I am on there. And so like <laughs> mostly facebook Wait, you're saying instagram isn't real life
1: no i know it very much it's just i think it's the top one percent of people who just have their lives <laughs> together with their matching pajamas and their renovated kitchens um i can't go there i can't, I can't do it um yeah.
0: you should start a social media site that's all like the outtakes of instagram like all the pictures that they took that didn't make the cut that's all the what selfies. i want
1: i want those ones
0: right that's yeah. what i
1: want sick of inst- i can't handle it I can't handle it. Those kitchens. Why does everyone have a perfect renovated kitchen on that website? <laughs> like it's renovated. I can't deal. Like
0: <laughs> I just post pictures of other people's kitchens.
1: That's good. Yeah. Other people-
0: <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so you're on Facebook and then your is your book available everywhere?
1: Yes. Um target.com. I think is gonna have it. Amazon, um, and uh indie indie bookstores too like if you have a local bookstore ask them because i know they're struggling to like stores anywhere you like to buy books
0: perfect and for those of you listening i will put a link to it in the notes for this program and i would really encourage you to to buy this book and to spend some time with it and allow these prayers not only to be your prayers but to instigate uh, prayers for you in your ongoing conversation uh with God. And so Bumi, thank Thank you you so much for being here on the Changing Faith Podcast. I so appreciate your work.
1: Thank you for having me. I I love talking to you in this conversation.
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks. And thank all of you once again for joining with us for another episode of the Changing Faith Podcast. My hope is that we would continue to learn and to trust that we are already loved and that that love has the power to open us up. And may it lead us to be more honest and raw and vulnerable, not only with one another, but before God as well. So thank you again to Bumi for being with us. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Changing Faith Podcast. That is it for today. And so until next time, much love and peace be with you.